reading this morning from the Old Testament book of Micah, beginning in chapter 6 and verse 6. The minor prophet writes these words, With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has showed you, people, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are reminded of the conciseness and clarity of your word. Holy God, give strength to this sinner saved by your grace, that indeed the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts together will indeed be pleasing in your holy sight. In your name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. When it's all been said and done, we will have chosen what people will remember about us. When our journey on life is o- in life is over, when we breathe our last breath, we will have made conscious choices what people will say about us, what they will think about us, and what they will remember about us. When it's all been said and done, what kind of impressions, what kind of imprint will we have left upon the lives of our families, our spouses, our children, our grandchildren? What kind of imprint will we have left upon the lives of our friends, and all those that we interact with in life. Because when it's all said and done, we will have chosen what people remember about us. As I was pondering this sermon this week, my mind was reminded of a very common yet profound thought, I believe. And I... And the thought comes out of my experience of studying theology. It comes out of my personal experience of studying the Bible. It comes out of my personal experience as I witness in the lives of God's people. As I see in your lives. And it comes out of my own journey. And the the thought is this. That when we we try to really honor God with our lives, that that brings with it a, a strength and a stability 
and, and, and a place of contentment that I don't believe can be found even closely anywhere else in life. I read to you this morning the words of what we call a minor prophet. His name is Micah. Micah was not, he was not born and raised in privilege or royalty. He was born among what his Bible calls the everyday common folk. In a little village, somewhere in an impoverished region of Israel. But we know quite a bit about this man, Micah. He was a man who had a voice, and he used his voice. He was a man of courage and conviction. He was a man who spoke against the evil of that day. He spoke against the injustices that many people were experiencing because of an oppressive government. This oppressive government that was, that was placing upon people back-breaking taxation. He spoke against those injustices. But he also spoke to the people of Israel against spiritual complacency. They had become complacent with God, indifferent. And Micah spoke to the people of Israel and he warned them that they risked losing the favor and the blessings of God by living lives in which they were spiritually complacent. Micah was a man of deep faith. He believed in divine forgiveness. He believed in renewal. He believed in restoration. And he was calling God's people back. Back to honoring God with their lives. And he was challenging the government of that day. Treat the people right. Treat them with fairness and justice. What did it cost him? His life. By stoning. Micah has preserved for us in a very clear and concise way what the will and purpose of God is for all of us. For you and for me. Micah writes, And what does the Lord require of us? To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with God. When it's all been said and done, will people remember you and me as persons who practice justice, who dispense fairness and equality to all we encounter in life? We're familiar with this word justice because we have a judicial system in our society. And doing a little research, and you've all seen this, this image. We've all seen the image of justice. It's actually the Roman goddess Themis. And it's a woman. And she's standing there blindfolded. She's holding in one hand a set of scales. <clears throat> and she's holding in the other hand a sword. 
The blindfold symbolizes in a positive way that the law is blind. That judicial system is supposed to be blind. That it makes no difference, young, old, whatever your racial, ethnic background might be, whatever your gender might be, that everybody is supposed to be seen with in the same light. And then the scale symbolizes that the judicial system is supposed to be dispensing fairness and equality to all people. And then the sword symbolizes the power and the strength of the judicial system. Micah recognized that the people of Israel were suffering grave injustice. And he spoke out about it. I want to take you back. We're all familiar with this horrific time in history. The Holocaust. I learned something this week. Maybe it's because I was never a real good history student. That Poland and Denmark that they reacted very differently when Hitler ordered that those two countries turn over all the Jews. Poland complied. And as a result, over three million, think about that, three million, 90% of all the Jews living in Poland were packed into cattle cars Men, women, and children. And they were transported to concentration camps. And history records that over three million Jewish men, women, and children died because of that. Denmark reacted quite differently. They did not comply with Hitler's orders. What did they do? They risked their very lives. They got to get, they found all the boats they could get, any means of transportation, and they shipped all the Jews that were willing to go to Sweden, where they would be out of reach of, of, of Hitler and, and his wicked regime. And as a result, not 90%, 1.5% of Jews in Denmark died from the Holocaust. Now, the story doesn't end there. Back to Poland. I discovered this week that there was a church in Poland. A railroad track ran beside the church. Apparently, every Sunday morning, there was a scheduled run. And the train would be pulling cattle car after cattle car, loaded with Jewish men, women, and children, packed in in there like brute beasts of the field, transporting them to concentration camps. And, And the church developed a strategy because as the train would pass the church, the Jewish people would cry out from behind those in those cattle cars, somebody help us, somebody save us. Pathetic heart breaking cries from, from men, women, and little children. Well, the strategy of the church was this, that when they could hear the train coming, everybody was instructed to pick up a hymnal, and they would turn to a hymn, 
And then they would sing. And as the train got closer and closer, they were instructed to sing louder and sing louder and sing louder so that they could not hear the pathetic, heart-breaking cries of many women and their children going to concentration camps. That certainly isn't justice. And that certainly isn't what God had in store. I thought about what injustice do we face in our day? And I thought about how many of the teachers have shared with me about little boys and girls that are brought up in very dysfunctional homes. And they need somebody to mentor them. They need role models. They need people to give them what, what God wants them to have and what they deserve in life. And that is somebody that will mentor and role model. And we've got many, we've got a number of mentors and role models in our church. So I thought about single mothers and single fathers. I hear the stories about, about not getting the child support. About trying to pay the rent or the mortgage payment. About trying to buy the class ring for their graduating son or daughter. I hear those stories. And our church reaches out and we respond to that. I hear the stories of the unemployed. Where, well I'm too old. They don't want anybody 57 years old. I hear the stories of others. And I think there are ways we can practice justice all around us. All around us. Will we be remembered as people who practice justice? Will we be remembered as people who love mercy? Mercy is undeserved kindness or extraordinary kindness. Micah demonstrated this as he risked his life. Now, not all of us are called to such a high and visible and platform. But Micah practiced mercy in his life. We all witnessed just a few weeks ago the, the bombings of the Boston Marathon. And, and I don't know if you, you, you've seen some of this, but, but, but apparently the, the forum restaurant when the site, near the site of the second bombing, that, that many of the employees ran out and they ran to the victims and they helped to bandage their wounds and, and to try to console them and to try to conceal those, those limbs that were been severed. And then I, I saw the clip of, of the finish line and, 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 and the bomb exploding and, and, and people running away. But if you look closely, if you look closely, you know what you saw? You saw a few people running back to the bombing site to help, to dispense mercy, to dispense extraordinary kindness. And that's what Micah says we should be about. When it's all been said and done, what will people remember about us? Will they remember that we tried to walk and I use the word tried because that's them talking about George. Try to walk with God. You know, one of the, one of the things that I, I sometimes 
have to struggle with a little bit. I want God to walk with me. And what I mean by that is, I want to choose my path. I want to choose my journey. I want to choose my experience. So I invite God. I say, God, I want, I want to go this way. And God says no. And Micah says, no, no, no. That we are to walk with God on God's chosen path. On God's chosen journey. With God's chosen experiences. It's not about asking a nice God to walk with us. It's about us walking with God. So when it's all been said and done, what will people remember about us? I heard an interesting testimony this week. It was 1998, the man shared with me, 15 years later, his wife was going through chemotherapy. She had lost weight. She was weak. She had lost her hair. But she kept pushing. She was in the grocery store doing some shopping. A man saw her, a stranger. He saw her weakened body. He saw her head wrapped in a scarf. And this perfect stranger went to the flower section. And he bought one long stem white rose. And he went to the cashier and he paid for it. And then he went back into the store to find this woman. And he found her. And never introducing himself, perfect stranger, he gave her the rose and said, I hope this will brighten your day just a little bit. Fifteen years later, a widowed husband still remembers the day he came home from work. And his wife, her day had been brightened a little bit by a perfect stranger by giving her a rose. It doesn't take a whole lot, does it? It doesn't take a whole lot. So when it's all been said and done, we will have chosen, and I think those are the key words, we will have chosen what people remember about us.